When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you will uh, check in in a bit with Mike Babcock. Babbers from Hale Varsity. Thoughts on uh, the new pick three opportunity from Mike and uh, some thoughts from Gary Barnett. Uh, talk some college ball with Coach. Uh, numbers to get in. Join us today at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter. Give us a follow. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So uh, we'll check in on game one of the NBA Finals. Uh, Phoenix winning and covering. And a fist pump from Elijah. Our first stake and a beer bet goes the... I should have asked for more points. Although, I give Milwaukee credit for making it a little uncomfortable. Well, Milwaukee even had Giannis. That was their agreement. It was, it was eight and a half if they didn't have Giannis. It was six if they did. And they, they had Giannis and they still weren't even close. I needed 15. <laughs> I, needed, I needed 15 uh, Hindsight half. bias, man. No, I know. I needed 15 and a half. I needed the points. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll get word from Giannis on, on how he felt. Looked great, honestly. But it was all about uh, CP3. He was uh, incredible. He's been with about a hundred different teams the last like five years, and he's been in the league for for God knows how long sixteen seasons. But uh, he has been waiting and waiting and waiting for his opportunity. He's been part of the super team or the dynamic duo setup. And finally, you get shipped from OKC to, to Phoenix with a team that has drafted well because they've sucked. I mean, they've had super high picks going back to Booker. And I know he wasn't lottery or just outside it at 13. But long and short, Phoenix is his hit and, and done well. So we'll, we'll dive in there. No Shuey today. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge. Shuey's running a and scoring a tournament. So he's busy. <laughs> he is absolutely busy. So we'll catch up with him. Some reaction to the match. I I watched that mostly last night, and I couldn't tear my eyes away from Big Sky. Oh, beautiful course. Oh, right. I mean, I even logged on last night to check into how does a how does a fella go play golf there? <laughs> well, you need to to book a, a, a an extensive vacation package and stay on site, and then you get access to a tea time and i think the the green fees were probably i think the, the room rates were probably about 200 and then i don't i didn't get too much more info because daddy didn't want to hand over credit card information 
for for being able to play. But that was sweet. Yeah, the, the people uh, on Twitter that were talking about the course were saying that uh, you can't play there unless you got an abundance of money. So I'm not sure if that's true or not. But they said that uh, it, it is just a, a pricey course to go. You, you pay go, it. you go there for a, for a week. Probably say say you rock a three or four or five day weekend, and you're staying there. You're probably dropping five, mm. wouldn't you think? Between golf course and lodging and eating and. All of that, I don't know. I know it's out of my price range. Oh, yeah, same here. <laughs> I need Mama to work. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll have some reaction to the match. That was that was good theater last night. We'll start off, though, with some Nebraska football. Uh, full capacity. It's officially official. And uh, everyone's going to be able to go watch their beloved Huskers. The question is, are you going to watch your beloved Huskers? You have a, a new... Uh, mini plan that is out uh, this statement out by the the University of Nebraska athletic department and listen I good for Nebraska with what they're doing with the the, the ticket packages here is the reality the reality is a at some point you've got to kind of churn towards my age demo and Elijah's age demo and and that is that is your 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 new we'll be going we've been going as a family for 40 years fan base right because right now you still have a bunch of folks and, and some that started going during the Devaney Devaney era <clears throat> you have some that have gone when when T.O. took over some started rocking it when they got out of school when Solich was there on and on and on, and we don't need to highlight or go over the transition that's occurred either in the athletic director's chair or within the, the head coach's headset. It's It's been a, a turnstile since, well, 2003. It, it, it just has been. So what you have now is this chance to, to regenerate, a chance to regenerate and do what, what pro teams have done, what minor league ballparks have done, you pick a sport that has a team and they offer different uh, ticket options. And Nebraska is giving you a chance to pick three from a group of six. Ohio State's off the table. Totally get that because that is your marquee game, possibly the number one team in the country coming in. But you'll be able to pick. You can pick three of the six home games. That's Fordham, that's Buffalo, that's Northwestern. It's Michigan, that's Purdue, and that's Iowa. And I think this is genius because, listen, you've not been in the stadium since 2019. As painful as Iowa was, that's the last home game you got to go to, most of us. So wh- whether you're geeked about Fordham or not, it's going to be a win, all right? And whatever happens against Illinois, it'll be your first chance in a real game, not spring game, to be at Memorial Stadium and see a win. So Fordham, not the sexiest opponent, but it's an easy yes at last call. Uh, Buffalo, September 11th, not as as sexy anymore with Lance down at KU. But hey, again, it's it's a likely win for Nebraska and you want to go see your team win. Now you get into some choices, don't you? Uh, Northwestern, those games are always insane. They're always instant classics. They're always drama-filled. Sometimes there is ugliness, as in 13-10, to 10, wounded duck through the uprights, 
It's Good a couple of years ago, right, in 2019, the Lamar Jackson interception, or it's How Did That Happen? Uh, If you go back to 2018, where you're up, you're scoring, you put up enough points to win, and, and Northwestern finds a way. They always play Nebraska tough. They do well in Lincoln. They win in Lincoln, frankly. Right? They, they just do. That is going to be kind of your, your starting point of, of a second season. Yes, I know you have Michigan State following Oklahoma, but you have a stretch here that will define your season if you're Nebraska. Illinois, you get off on the right foot, great. You build up. You see what happens against Oklahoma. You come back injury-free. You, you pray against Michigan State and, and get that bounce-back win. Well, Northwestern has won the division two of the last three years. Northwestern has been a thorn in your side since you've joined the league. Be it uh, the last time you were ranked in the top 10, 2011, they came in and upset you. Right after you beat Michigan State, remember that game? Uh, I was at that game. Right. You remember that game pretty well where you, where you kill Michigan State and then, oops, a uh, little Northwestern and, and, and Jeremy Eber, <laughs> you know, stretches a, a slant route for a touchdown and you lose it 28 to 25. Uh, so Northwestern's going to be your tipping point game in the season, you could argue. Go back to Phil Steele last week. He's like, if Nebraska's at four and two or better midway point, you can look at a bowl game. So I, you know, we're going to ask the question, what three are you going to pick? Uh, are you going to go with, let me see some wins? Or are you going to go with the best games? This reminds me as a kid of the, of the draft we'd always have to have, like right after Christmas, for the Nebraska basketball seats. Dad had a pair of B-section seats in the old Devaney Center. And my brother and I would... We'd flip a coin for who gets first pick, and then we'd alternate every other pick. And I think for most of those junior high to high school years, I was able to get first pick. So I was always going to go watch Kansas. Mm. And then before my brother understood you know, that Missouri or Oklahoma State are pretty good, some years I dirtied Kansas and Missouri <laughs> just because he was young. Uh, but as, as he got older, he, uh, he, he wised up and you know, it would take the, the, the next best game. With this, uh, you know, if I'm drafting here, I, I'm going to go I'm going to go to the Northwestern. I'm going I'm to go to all of them. But if I was sitting in the seats, I would pick Northwestern. I would pick Iowa. And I got to go Michigan. Mm. You know, Michigan's not been here since 2012. So that's just where I'm at. I think Purdue's always an intriguing matchup. You got offensive minds trying to outwit one another with Brom and Frost. Uh, I think uh, Fordham's your, hey, good to see everybody back full again. And it's great weather. That's the other thing. Uh, Iowa, you'll, you'll, you'll likely freeze your you-know-what off. Uh, so do you, uh, you kind of stick with the, the early to mid to late fall options? But that's where I'm at. As intriguing as the opener is, just being back, being back, being full, uh, I think I'm sticking with that Big Ten schedule. Potentially, you could move to 5-1 and one after a win against Northwestern at home with Michigan following. So that's where I'm at. Now, the bigger question here, 
uh, does this say something to you as a Nebraska football fan when it comes to the uh, the creativity here going with a three-game mini plan, i.e. is the sellout streak in trouble? Listen, I think it's very real. If you look at Big Red Blitz numbers, it's okay to admit that, look, the, the excitement and enthusiasm isn't as high as it's been in past years. It sure as hell isn't as high as it was in 2018 going into the season. And there are some reasons for that. A, you've been been away from it for a year. B, it started a long time even before Frost with this football program uh, soul-crushing you in some tough losses where you got so frustrated as a fan you'd, you'd had enough and you found other things to do. Not many of you, but some of you. And right now, there's a pretty high level of frustration with where they're at, uh, the expectation, and the schedule, frankly, is daunting, right? So there's not a whole lot of hope with some in the fan base right now. I don't look at it as, okay, um, let's panic here. We got to keep the sellout streak alive. Let's get creative and go uh, mini ticket plan. I think they're doing that because more people, the, the age group of Elijah, early to mid-20s or even in your 30s, you got kids, you got ball games, you got a travel team. You can't hit all seven like we did as a Schmidt family growing up. It's just a different It's a different normal right now with are you going to the game? Yeah, it, it was never a question 15 years ago, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. It's waned, and part of that is performance through different coaching staffs. Yeah, and I think back to my youth whenever my family had season tickets, and what we'd do is we'd take a, a top game or two every single year and sell our tickets to that. We'd watch it at home and say, it's okay, because we will pay for the rest of our season tickets. And I don't think you can really do that anymore. When you look at what the, the resale prices are going for on Craigslist for these teams, I mean, the 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 resale value just isn't there anymore. Uh, you're lucky to get face value for your Husker seats since Scott Frost has arrived just because nobody wants to go watch the Huskers lose. So you can't go sell those top seats. And then it becomes, I don't want to say a money issue, but whenever you have to put in a, a donation mm-hmm. on top of uh, season tickets. You don't need a seat license, brother. Mm-hmm. But uh, to, to, to get yourself in the front of the line on that wait list, send a little donation. Right. And it's a lot of money. It ends up being a lot of money. If you can't get your money back, why would you want to go buy season tickets whenever now they have this three-game plan where you can go buy your, the three games you, you actually want to see? You can cherry-pick what you want to go see. It, it just makes sense in terms of what the, the success of the team is like right now. I don't think this is something they'd be doing if the team was going 10-2 and two every single year. because wouldn't you wouldn't have to. Yeah, you wouldn't have to. The, the interest would be there. The resale value would be there. All those things. But right now, this seems like a good method to be able to get the seats full. I don't think it's a, it's a worry right now, but if uh, the season... Or if the if the sellout streak becomes uh, a an think issue, <laughs> an issue if it becomes a, a problem selling the seats, I think that is more of a of a worry for Scott Frost than it is for the people selling the seats. I mean, they're going to find a way to to sell the seats. The problem becomes if there's no interest in who the the head coach is and what he's doing to the football program. That's whenever you got to make a change because it's dollars and cents at that point. Is it is it a ghost town because no one wants to watch anymore? Period. You can't stand the product on the field, and I don't think, I don't think if we're just talking vocal minority versus the majority, I don't think people are there yet. But you're drifting towards that cliff. Based on what it's one thing to lose, but how are you losing, right? And and you can't have 
mistakes after mistakes after mistakes, either from a management side or just an execution standpoint, going into year four like you had last year. Right? Nebraska's Nebraska's record against Nebraska is pretty good. All right, in the last five years. And that's what is eating away at the excitement, enthusiasm, and fan base. That's that's part of the reason you've lost a lot of these games. But you can have an electric atmosphere. You can play well against Oklahoma. You can beat Illinois. And I know Nebraska fans of, of yesteryear are like, yeah, that's supposed to happen. It's not what it is anymore as you try and build this thing up. But you can have a crazy, insane atmosphere for Northwestern. You can crank up for Michigan and you just need a little get a little momentum. Get the bandwagon back rolling. Mike Babcock's next to Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Coming up here uh, next hour, Gary Barnett with us. Hail Varsity Radio on a Wednesday presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We say hi to historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. It's where you find him. Mike, what's good? How's your uh, your Wednesday going? Oh, not bad. Not bad. I like the a little bit cooler weather and uh, watching a little bit of Wimbledon and some soccer. Were you uh, ever a tennis star? Uh, no, I was never that. Uh, one of my good friends was a state champion a couple times. But you, you got him ready, didn't you? Uh, yeah, no, no, I don't think I did. <laughs> Played at the university. No, oh, that's all. That's all good, Mike. Uh, a thought here on the uh, the mini ticket package here, pick three. So, uh, for let's just play make believe and and pretend Babbers isn't in the uh, the press box. You are going to be in the press box. That said, if you uh, put your fan hat on, what three games are you picking? Um, I'm probably picking Iowa, Michigan. And either Northwestern or Purdue. So you're going with the Big Ten slate like me. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I was surprised to see that release, to be honest with you. But uh, then I thought about it a little bit, and I guess I, you know, my surprise wasn't justified, really, because I think that there's a, probably some concern about the sellout streak um, at this point. And, uh, you know, I don't recall them ever having a mini plan like that. Um, you know, I know that they had tickets available when visiting teams didn't use up all their tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they turned them back, mm-hmm. and Nebraska sold those. But um, I don't really remember at least being publicized that there were tickets available, um, that you could have a mini-ticket plan. Um, or you can buy season tickets, uh, apparently. So, um, like you guys said, you got to make a donation in order to do that. Babbers, where do you think the uh, the fandom is at right now? You, you mentioned that the sellout streak, uh, is it in jeopardy? Uh, it, it could be. I mean, you, you just win a year without football. Folks want to see the team win. And if they're not winning, at least perform better, right? Be in it till the end type, uh, type ball game. And it's not that that hasn't happened, but you've had instances where you know it's it's just been a mistake prone or mismanagement either coaches or players and uh you know everyone wants the same result fans players coaches but it's it's not been the case and is this is 
what 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 DEFCON level would you say we're at right now uh, in, in with this sellout streak? Is it anything near the Peterson era? Anything near the Riley era? Or is it its own level right now? I think it's its own le- it's its own level right now. And you know, it's here's the thing. And then I, you know, Nebraska fans are are great, uh, but I think younger fans there's a different kind of attitude. Um, you know, it's a little bit of a uh, a hassle, mm-hmm. um, and it, you don't want to necessarily put up with that if you're not going to see the kind of success that Nebraska, you know, football's enjoyed over historically, mm-hmm. and uh, that Nebraska has had some national relevance, which has been not been the case for probably a good twenty years, and uh, uh, I I just think that. You know, people look at it and say, well, you know what, uh, with the Big Ten Network and, you know, Fox and ESPN and whatever, um, all the games are televised, so you can see them on television. And when you're watching on television, you're not sitting there. I mean, you can you can flip it to something else when the mandatory timeouts come and mm-hmm. you sit there, and it's, what, three minutes? Uh, a lot of times I'll... I would sit and look at the clock inside the stadium that showed how much time on the timeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and the players are standing around on the field and just um, TV dictates. You know, and I understand that. But if you buy tickets, if you buy season tickets, for example, you're not even sure when those games are going to be played because TV makes the decision. And I think that makes it more difficult for people to say, you know, I'm going to make this donation. And, and, you know, they're supportive of the program. There's no question about that. But I'm going to make this donation. I'm going to pay this money. I'm going to fight the crowds um, to go and and sit there. Um, I don't know when the game is going to start. Um, I can't make plans in that sense. If you're coming from any kind of a distance, it's difficult because you don't know if you got to find a place to stay or if, you know, if it's an 11 o'clock game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know if you can get here in time. Some some out west uh, people, so you got to come in the night before. And um, if it's middle of the afternoon, maybe that's good. Maybe you can get here and get home or, you know, make some progress in that direction. Um, I, I just think that there are just so many factors that go into it that magnify the fact that Nebraska doesn't enjoy the success that it once did. Mike Babcock's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, my question is, when it, when it comes to finances, do you see the Huskers lowering their ticket prices if they do reach a point where it's it's they're worried about the sellout streak for a game like Fordham or, or Buffalo? If they still have unsold seats here in a couple weeks, do you think they would mess around with lowering ticket prices to get all those seats sold? You know, that's a good question, Elijah. And I don't know if, if that's the case or not. Yeah, probably. I mean, I've always maintained that up to a certain point, you know, you've got boosters that will buy up the extra tickets to keep the uh, keep the sellout streak going. But I think we're beyond, probably beyond that point if we're, if we're selling mini packages with uh, three tickets available and you can make, you can choose which games you want to, you want to go to. I mean, here's, here's another thing, and this is just me. Um, I thought adding on to the, to the top of the East Stadium was a mistake. You know, you could, have, you could have added boxes. I've been okay with that. And you could have used the money then to make it a little more comfortable in the, in the main part of the stadium uh, for people, and which would have reduced the, the capacity probably a little more. But like Bob Devaney always said, 
um, you want demand to exceed ticket availability. That's that's important. Um, and and he said that. And my recollection was that there was consideration to build a hundred thousand seat stadium when he was athletic director between Lincoln and Omaha. Uh, now I might remember that wrong. Maybe that's you know you don't remember things exactly the way they were. But I remember Bob saying, um, in any case, saying demand has to exceed availability on tickets. That's really important for Nebraska. We don't want more seats than, than we've got fans available. And I think that upper section of the East Stadium is one of those things that uh, has created that. It's not a very pleasant uh, situation to get up there. If, if you're like me, I'm not real big on heights. That's where they stuck Cranach. I mean, that's all we need to know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he knows I kid because I care. Now, have but, you guys ever sat up there? Oh, yeah. We sat up there for Tommy Armstrong's first start, and we still haven't gotten warm. Well, the, the thing is, is it, it's not bad. Like, you have, like, your own little separate concession stand. The problem is, is the view up there is just, you feel so far need, from the field. You need to be buckled in, Babbers. You need binoculars. <laughs> I mean, you need to be buckled in because you're just straight up, and if you lean too far... Uh, that's that's the the feel of it. I mean, it's 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 gorgeous. It's well done, and from a concession oh, yeah. standpoint, it's it's you know 2.0 compared to what I grew up dealing with. And I loved it. I mean, I loved army crawling through the old stadium to get to the west balcony. This is right about the time they put the the, the first jumbo, you know, the old Mitsubishi big screens, right from '94 for for the tunnel walk, but. Mm-hmm. Look at the stadium now with the suites and the west side and then the north side. Do you, do you get to a point where you downsize and make it more luxurious on the interior and go from 90 back to, to even 80? Just you, widen the seats a little bit? Yeah, do you crush 10,000 out of there if you if you run into a supply and demand issue? That's, that's what I think should have been done with the money. Mm-hmm. You know, again, build the suites. I got no problem with that. Um, but... But use the the rest of the money not to build more seats up top, but to uh, to make it more comfortable a more comfortable fan experience uh, inside the inside the stadium as it was. And uh, you know I don't think that's the case. I think there's been some a little bit of that, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I, I think you need to do that in the uh, overall in the, in the stadium. Um, and it's going to reduce the capacity a little bit, but. Again, I I always respected what Bob said. Um, demand has to exceed availability. That's how you keep a sellout streak going. Mike, I got about three minutes here. Mike Babcock's with us. Hail Varsity Magazine and dot com. What I mean, will it take very much to get people back on the bandwagon? Well, I don't know, uh, Smitty, uh, because like I said, Nebraska. Not, Nebraska's got great fans. There's no question sure, about that. Sure, but we're also talking about a mini, 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 mini package here, mini right. package deal. Right, and the commitment, and, and like I said, you can see the games on TV, and you don't have a lot of the hassle. But, um, yeah, I, I think people will probably take a shot there. Some people that haven't had an opportunity to, to go to games. You know, that's a good way to to take, an, take advantage and see some games. But... Uh, you know, I, I wonder about Fordham and Buffalo. I wonder how many people are going to be interested in those games. You know, maybe maybe weather is a consideration and you're going to get earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that could be attractive as well. So maybe that's not a big deal. But, uh, you know, when I looked at it and I thought, pick any three, well, I'm probably not going to pick those first two. 
I'd, I'd pick Fordham. You know, Fordham. Fordham could. I could be talked into Fordham if I'm a fan, because it's been a year since we since we've all gotten to go, and it's a win, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I two, think that's two things. And, and like you said, if if Lance Leipold were still at Buffalo, I wouldn't necessarily say that's a win. No, I wouldn't either. He did a great job there, but uh, he's at Kansas, so. Mm-hmm. I was say my my take on those Fordham and Buffalo games is treat it somewhat like a spring game. And give a kids discount. It's awesome weather. You're not gonna have your kids complaining about the cold weather in November, and uh, you can get your kids like you get the next generation chance to come see some Nebraska games. Because that's the problem for me growing up. Was ever I was really little, my dad didn't want to spend fifty five bucks to take m- me as a six year old down to a Husker football. Well, you probably throw yeah. a fit in the aisle and tick off all the. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's really a good idea. That's that is really a good idea. Um, make them a little less expensive for children and under a certain age and, and, and get them in there and give them an opportunity to see Husker football. I mean, I think that's important. The, you know, you just go through some of the, the, the next donor potential, right? The kids that yeah. are just getting out of college or maybe you're into your 30s with a family is, uh, you know, think back to, to that demo, that age demo. What's what's the, the, the biggest win they've seen, right? Babbers, you've covered this team for a long time. I've gone as, as a kid growing up here in Lincoln and, and covered the team for a little while, too. And we've seen a lot of big-time wins. But the that that 12-year-old to 25-year-old... Nebraska Sparty was five years ago. Yeah, and, and, and that was a 6-7 and seven football team. Babbers, can I keep you five more minutes to talk about the 71 defense? Um, yeah, sure. Whatever you'd like to do. All right, hang on a couple more minutes. Mike Babcock uh, still with us from Hale Varsity, a Wednesday edition. Quick timeout back with Babbers. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Mike Babcock continues on with us. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery at MD Babs on Twitter. Some overtime here, Mike. Thanks so much. I uh, love the Hail Varsity yearbook. Uh, incredible work by everyone at Hail Varsity. Your feature on 1971, that defense, and uh, spending time with Big Larry Jake, Larry Jacobson for the story is incredible. Mike, uh, I want to get your thoughts here on the 71D and kind of compare it with some of the other defenses you've had a chance to see at Nebraska. I think of the 09 defense. I think of 84's defense that was number one in the country. A special place in my heart was that 1999 defense where they had to overcome 50 fumbles by the offense and were incredible. And then, of course, 94 and 95, very special as well. Where does 71 kind of rate or slate for you when it comes to top defenses you've seen in Nebraska? Well, I, you know, I, like I've always said, I mean, I've, I've watched Nebraska long enough that I don't want to say, like, this one was the best or whatever, and mm-hmm. you, you've mentioned ones that are really good. This is certainly in the conversation, uh, the 71 defense, because, you you know, it, the thing that impressed me and that I sort of emphasized in the story, I guess, was that, um, you know, of the 11 starters, uh, there were like nine, uh, nine states represented. <laughs> pretty I good, mean, th- pretty good work. <laughs> great diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, you had uh, you had uh, Joe Blaha and, B- and Bill Cush were from the same high school, Columbus Scotus in mm-hmm. Nebraska, 
and you had uh, Jim Anderson and Dave Mason were the same high school uh, in uh, uh, Green Bay. Uh, uh, and then you had uh, uh, Bill Jansen was from North Dakota. Rich Glover was from Jersey City. Uh, Willie Harper was from Toledo. John Adkins was from Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, Bob Terrio was from Fullerton, California. I mean, uh, Brand, uh, Jim Branch was from Chicago. Um, they, 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 they came from all, all different places, and, and they played as a unit. And you had, uh, you know, uh, Larry Jacobson, Nebraska's first Outland Trophy winner. You had Rich Glover, who would later win the Outland and the Lombardi, the first Husker to do that. And you had Willie Harper, a two-time All-American, at defensive end, who probably got overlooked for the, you know, the those some of those awards because he played with guys like Jacobson and and uh, Rich Glover, and. Uh, and, and then you add in these other guys, you know, Jim Branch and Bob Terrio at linebacker. Um, uh, you're in the secondary, uh, Dave Mason said that he called the secondary uh, brains <laughs> and the uh, guys up front brawn um, because the uh, secondary, I think three of those guys were uh, math majors or something like that. Uh, and... Uh, uh, yeah, it was just, it just, everything came together. And then, you know, Monty Kiffin is, is effectively the defensive coordinator. Bob Devaney never gave that title out to anybody. Uh, Tom Osborne was the first one to have, have anybody with the title. Monty had the title then, mm-hmm. uh, when Tom became head coach. But, um, and, you know, and then you had Monty Johnson, um, who never started at Nebraska, never started. But he was, uh, what, now I'm going to forget, was he a second-round draft pick of the Oakland Raiders? I think so. Uh, uh, I, I wrote uh, a story about him in the, in the magazine as well, in the Legends. But he was a backup guy um, at tackle, and he played some end and he played some middle guard. I mean, it, that's a pretty remarkable, and John Dutton was in there. Um, it was as a sophomore, he was a backup. Tackle. His fifth pick overall by Dallas, like yeah. three years I mean, later. Uh-huh. You think about the talent that was on that team on that defense, and you know, I, I you know, you think of game of the century, you think of Johnny Rogers' punt return and Jeff Kenny and Jerry Taggy, and you know that those are they were great players. You had a great offensive line there, um, but uh, um, guys, that that defense was really something, and statistically. Um, the Oklahoma game kind of threw the statistics off a little bit, but uh, um, not a whole lot. And uh, and the, and the defense really was a key factor in that game, even though it was 31-35. Um, that was uh, uh, just a just a remarkable group, I thought. And again, they came from all different places. Um, that to me. Uh, is uh, pretty remarkable in itself. Mike Babcock's with us from Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com. His story and feature on the 71 black shirts, uh, that uh, first, uh, second national championship squad that uh, ran the table. You know, Babbers, before we say goodbye, I, I remember interviewing Monty Kiffin. He was in Tampa uh, at the time. 
and it's been years, right? But but Monty's Monty's a character, as great a football coach and defensive yeah. mind as he is, he's also a character, and I can just imagine uh, Monty showing up to your house to make sure you sign the letter of intent, and 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 uh, and how he'd entertain to to get the job done and get you to campus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't that a, isn't that a crazy story? I mean, <laughs> and it, he had told uh, Jacobson that. Uh, Basically, if, uh, if 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 Jacobson didn't come to Nebraska, Monty didn't need to come back either. That's um, you know, I, I, that's probably a apocryphal story, but um, yeah, yeah. And you know, Nebraska's first Outland Trophy winner, and he didn't even know what the Outland was when he won it. And uh, back then, they just gave a plaque, and then later on, um, you know, they have the big function in Omaha mm-hmm. now, and he got a he got a, a, a you know replica of the real of the real uh, Outland Trophy. but um, And then to be followed up, uh, you know, by next year by Rich Glover winning that and the Lombardi Award. Um, Nebraska had more Outland Trophy winners than any of their school. No, you win in the line of scrimmage, and, and that's uh, a calling card for sure to have eight of them, and you hope to get back uh, to that level on the lines of scrimmage here in the Big Ten. Babbers, this was fun. Thanks for, for doing some overtime with us. Hey, great talking to you. You guys be safe. You too. There he is, Mike Babcock with us from Hale Varsity, historian, author, Hall of Famer, at MD Babs on Twitter. Just to kind of put into context, uh, you had uh, 25 turnovers plus. The Nebraska football team in 71 was plus 25 in turnover margin, which is insane. They had uh, forced 47 turnovers that season. And a whopping 27 interceptions. Think about the early 70s. I mean, you had teams throwing the ball more, but you had kind of ground and pound. USC or Alabama, Oklahoma's wishbone. You didn't have teams throw the ball as as much as you, you do now. See, in my question, we didn't have time with Babbers to, for me to ask this, but how do you even go about recruiting back in the 1970s, going like how many, however many different states were represented on this team? How do you, like, without an internet, how do you go do all that scouting? It just it boggles my mind. You had insane connections, okay? You had a coach who had connections either back east or out in California or in the Midwest, and, and Monty Kiffin knew of a kid named Larry Jacobson that was in Sioux Falls and Iowa wanted him and uh, at that time you could be on site to make sure he signed we'll wind down hour one take some of your calls next on Hale Varsity chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at halevarsity.com just try me try me back to Hale Varsity Radio One final time this hour, Gary Barnett, next segment. We'll check in with the coach, talk some college football with him, get his take on uh, different things. Also, he's a huge golfer, you know that. Get uh, Barney's take on the match and just the, the dynamic of kind of that buyout phase of college athletics be it administratively or on the coaching end, get coaches' take on that. Reminder about uh, West Blue Realty, your friends. Are you buying or selling your home? You're thinking about it. Maybe it's too good a deal to pass up with what your your house is either appraised at or what you think you can get for it. 
in this current housing market. Well, two names to know, Tom Luby and Kelly Hofschneider will do an amazing job for you with West Blue Realty. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding community. And uh, you can give Tom Luby a shout today. Tom's number at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, give Kelly a shout as well at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. You can log on today, westbluerealty.com, and uh, make an appointment. Go see Tom or Kelly today, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. So back to the, uh, the, the mini plan that's there. The, the pick three opportunity. I gave my three, Northwestern, Michigan, Iowa. That's uh, kind of where Babbers is at, but I could be swayed uh, about the opener. Where are you at? Have you made your call? I think I'm, I'd, I'd go with Fordham uh, simply because awesome weather. Uh, it should be a win. And just the, the fact of that's going to be the first game. Yeah, yeah, I see you grimacing there when I no, say it should I, be a I, win. I'm <laughs> grinning because that's where we're at that might be part of the reason for a mini plan well yeah but the, the, the should be the hope versus you hope you win or you know you're gonna win mm-hmm. right in, in every game it feels like at nebraska and this is an exaggeration i don't mean to be that way but it feels like it, it's it's a toss-up right <laughs> uh, even even some of the the non-power five games have been a little tight. Not all, obviously, but it'd be really cool for Nebraska to just kind of storm out of the gates this season with a, a prove-it mentality and get folks kind of back in line. And and I don't think that... You tell me this, Elijah, with, with uh, folks you run with, you know, the, the interest level in this season is what? We're, we're still a month away. Oh, it's still super wait and see. Yeah. E- even less so than... The, the past couple of years where you've known that the talent might not be there yet. It's even more wait and see this year. I will, they're going to wait until basically that Oklahoma game to see what they think about this season. See if they care or not is there's some easier teams in the front end of the schedule. It's going to be awesome. There'll be a little building excitement mm-hmm. before that, but it's, it's how do you stand up against a real good team in Oklahoma? Even if you don't win, it's can, can you at least put in a good show and that gives us something to be proud of? I think that's what the, the people I'm around feel about this season is just wait and see I'm not going to care until they're good enough to care about. Well, and the other part of it, too, is, I mean, can you can you end the year? Can you get better and build and grow and be a better team by the end of the season versus just kind of fading out? And there was a chance at some momentum with a bowl opportunity and maybe a bowl win if you would have chosen to go to a bowl game. You didn't. And... The Rutgers game, which was maddening one half and really cool the other, is what you were left with. Gary Barnett, Hour 2, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's get into some golf and some college football. We welcome in the coach, Gary Barnett, with us. 
And uh, coach, what did you think of of the match? We'll start there. Uh, a surprised by by Bryson and and Aaron Rodgers. He putted incredible yesterday. Uh, surprised by the result. Have you ever played out in Montana before? Uh, let's see. No and no. Okay. Um, I, I I was a little surprised by the result. I thought Mickelson and Brady uh, might be a better combination, but you know, I hadn't seen Aaron Rodgers putt, obviously. And um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. I, it, you know, I haven't gone over the course today to see what all my guys are thinking or what they were saying about it, and I haven't read any reviews on it much, but. You know, it was it was interesting, and and uh, as you mentioned earlier before we went on the air, that just how beautiful that course looked. And I know my wife goes, "Man, that's a beautiful golf course." And it, uh, you know, it had a lot of up and downs, and it had, um, uh, you know, it, it, I mean, it looked really interesting to play. It didn't to me look like it was a great golf course, but it looked like it was really interesting and fun to play. I did a little research just someday, maybe, right, you know, and I think you got to book a, an extended stay on the, the Big Sky Resort, okay, uh, that Moonlight Basin setup, yeah. and I think green fees are included, but man, I, I was like, well, is that something I can I can visit, or do they not want me out there, man? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll wear a collar, I promise. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I just, that'd be really awesome to play. Because you play, I mean, you get to play in, in Arizona, some incredible courses, and I'm sure there's fantastic courses in, in Boulder, um, just with the, the scenery and the setup. I mean, and I played at the Air Force out in Arizona over, over the winter, which uh, the Air Force base was great. Uh, yeah. That was cool, but never played in the mountains. Like that's what something I like to do, coach, is go either even the Black Hills, take a roadie and see if there's a cool course in the Black Hills. I don't know, but you've played more golf at some pretty cool places more than I have. But th- that Moonlight Basin just looked so fantastic. But yeah, yeah it was so much elevation change in those mountain courses, yeah. and that's what you run into. That you you get a lot of uh, uh, you know trick shots and a lot of blind shots sometimes, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was great advertisement for for Montana. I can tell you that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many people watched it, but you, you couldn't watch it and go, you know, that'd be really cool. So, yeah, uh, yeah it looked like fun. And uh, elevation changes, you know, shortens the golf course plus the elevation itself being high. So, uh, you know, I mean, DeChambeau was hitting an eight hour iron, two hundred and sixty forty eight yards. So, yeah, um, you know, it was. It was it was interesting. It was fun to watch. Yeah, someday I hope to hit you know two fifty off the box. <laughs> what he's doing. <laughs> well, you can do it out there because you can hit it straight downhill. I know it'll roll for me. Gary like Barn- Tim Cup when uh, <laughs> uh, Don Johnson hit a. 250-yard 7-iron by knocking it on the road and letting it <laughs> run, run out. So. Let it roll. Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, uh, let's talk a little college football. And, you know, we're uh, a week removed from the AD opening. You've got uh, an interim right now at Nebraska. And, you know, things I, I think have cooled on, on Ed Stewart. I don't know for sure, but we're not hearing much about his name anymore. That, that could be good, could be bad, don't know. And, uh, of course, uh, you have 
Uh, Pollard coming out on a podcast saying he's flattered, but but I'm good. You know, right now with with that job, um, I, I'm interested here because Ronnie Green was out saying, look, uh, by the end of July should be okay. But right now, there's just kind of people are holding their breath with you know what's next for for the Nebraska gig. What was your take on on Bill Moose getting about three million dollars? Uh, as as part of the exit, part of the the retirement, uh, that that seems you know good for Bill. I mean, I, I liked Bill, but three million dollars. There's a lot of Nebraska fans going. Hold on a minute here. He's he's retiring, or maybe he's not retiring, but he's no longer AD. So you're still giving him three million dollars. There were some question marks with that. Yeah, and and that's because uh, most of us don't aren't privy to all the mm-hmm. inner workings and what exactly happened and uh you know but there's a good reason he's getting three million and you know if, if you had the inside information you would you could probably understand it and i don't have that mm-hmm. either but i but i've been part of that kind of a thing <clears throat> and then usually it's just because you know the the general public doesn't doesn't know. They just don't have the details. And when you don't have the information, then you speculate and mm-hmm. you question. But if you, if you have the information, then I'm sure for both sides it was probably an equal and, and fair mm-hmm. uh, you know decision and and uh, amount of money. So but you just don't know you know what's gone into a contract, what the discussions are, what why it's all happening. Uh, you got to be on the inner circle to, to really know. What's that situation like on on different ends when you're you're leaving a place and you got to get out of a contract by your choice, or you're leaving a place and they're they're telling you to, to get lost, which stinks for everybody. What, what's that dynamic like for coaches and and even you know friends in the business that, that have been through it that you know? What's that timeline to, to sit out or get back into it or just move on to the next thing? I mean, it's it's a dynamic business, the world of college athletics, and people love it, but it's also pretty cutthroat. Yeah, and you're uh, you're opening up old wounds here, Chris. So. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I had a contract that I had to get out of because I was leaving one and going to the other. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I had, um, f- first of all, the departing of one school for the other is so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, I only had to do it once. And um, it was it was hard, difficult. It was a tough decision. It was, um, you know, and then, then the financial piece, You've got to try to keep it, um, you know, unemotional if you can. Uh, I I had to negotiate um, out of out of my contract. Uh, in those back then, when I made that move, um, Colorado wasn't wasn't uh, paying for my buyout. Um, nowadays, the wherever you're going usually pays the buyout. So I had to negotiate and pay my own buyout. Um, the hardest part, though, it wasn't financial. The hardest part was uh, walking into a team meeting and mm-hmm. telling all these kids that that you were going home, and uh, that was really hard. The other end of it was when when they told me to go go someplace else and live. Uh, <clears throat> then, you know, that was hard too, going into your own team and, and mm-hmm. telling them that that 
um, you know, first of all, they, they, in my case, they tried to announce that I was resigning, which was not true. Mm-hmm. And I had to make that very clear to my team that I was not walking out on them and that I was not resigning and that I was, I was being fired. And, um, so my particular circumstance w- was unique a little bit, I think, but, uh, I had a certain amount of money that was owed to me deferred comp mm-hmm. and also, um, uh, salary that would have been mine over the next year, year and a half. And, um, you know, the university then tried to play hardball and tried to claim that it was, that they could prove cause mm-hmm. and you, you know, immediately you have to lawyer up and I had a great attorney and, and so we knew that wasn't going to happen. And so then it became, um, you know, university finally had to give in and say, okay, um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay you what you owe, what we owe you. So then they ended up doing that. And that was, uh, fortunately for us, it wasn't long and drawn out. Uh, it was over the course of about a, four days or five days. Um, it was miserable. It was, you know, it, it was awful. Um, but you, you know, you go on and you, uh, you have to, and you know, all these things you tell kids about adversity and, and, you know, controlling what you control and can control and teaching them how to, how to face this stuff. Well, you, you've got to be a picture of it now and you've got to go do it yourself. And so you draw on that. You draw on the things that you have tried to represent and be and, and be about mm-hmm. in your career, and you've got to act that way and believe that way and go on. And so um, getting back in, you know, it's funny. I, I actually thought I was going to get back in within a, in a, almost two weeks, but circumstances happened. A game was won that that didn't look like would be one. And so all of a sudden, you know, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So then it was how, how soon do I try to get back in and, and it's out of your control really. Um, so, you know, it, it took some time before I was, uh, you know, to almost a year before I was actively involved in any other discussions. So, and everyone's different, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I fortunately had had uh, good representation before my contract, and the athletic director, Dick Tharp, had done a great job of putting together. A, he, he's probably one of the smartest guys I've ever been around financially, and, you know, I didn't have a buyout, and but I did have deferred comp. And, it, you know, it was he was really smart in doing it the way he did it, and as a result, it ended up saving me and, mm-hmm. and the university, actually, as well. So... You know, that's the ugly part of it. You don't like discussing necessarily, but it's the truth, and it's the way it is. Gary Barnett's with his coach. Thanks for, for opening up uh, to us on on your experience there, and I'm sorry we had to go there. And, no, that's okay. No, legit. I mean, I didn't mean to... No, I know you didn't. No, no, no problem. Go, go there, but I just was interested in, in your perspective on it because you just see it, and you've seen it at Nebraska. You just have either with coaches or with administration, and they're on to the next just locally here, right, where here, here's your buyout, here's your go-away money, and 
uh, the money keeps getting printed and people keep getting paid yeah. not, not to work. Yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. In, in I know. Well, this is all, you know, what's going on right now is all TV money. It's all because, yeah. you know, Big Ten schools are collecting $56 million a year and they can afford to operate that way. They couldn't operate that way before. Sure. Uh, I, I remember when, uh, you know, back when I first got into college coaching, you, uh, it, it would cost a university a million bucks to change coaches, uh, paying staff members, mm-hmm. bringing in a new one, and then not paying the new guys off. Well, you know, a million dollars then was a lot of money in, in the 80s and 90s, early 90s. But then all of a sudden the TV money turned around and everybody's getting, you know, they, they, they're able to pay guys higher, more, and they would have more cash on hand to, you know, go get somebody else. And it's, you know, I'm not an athletic director, but I understand that, you know, they've got to put seats in the stands. It's all about how many seats you can sell, how much excitement you can create. And, you know, when it starts going south, you don't have a lot of choice. You, you almost have to make a move. And, um, now they can afford to make those moves because they have a coffer uh, that allows them to do it. University doesn't really pay that money. It's the athletic department that pays that money. And so, um, you know, it's, as in the business end of it now, they can make those moves where they couldn't make those moves before. Gary Barnett's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, I uh, want to switch gears to recruiting and uh what was uh, your setup like, either in in Illinois or in Chicago, when it, when it came to to, res, to to in-state recruiting? Did you have one board, or did you have an in-state board and then a, a national board? How did you go about it? Uh, well, in in Chicago, we we had to recruit nationally because there just were not enough. Uh, let's, Here's the way I should put it: is um, <laughs> at, at Northwestern, you have a very small pool of people to, to recruit from sure. because of the academic standards. Every other school can go fish in that pool as well. So you have a lot of competition for those really good students that can play at that level. I mean, you have. I mean, everybody goes after it. I mean, you got a lot of great schools out there. I can't go fish in their pool because of my restrictions. I can only catch a certain kind of fish. Mm-hmm. Well, their pools are big. They got a lot of different fish that they can catch. So because of that, we had to go nationally to uh, find more pools to recruit from. So uh, we always wanted to look at Chicago first, uh, just because, um, you know, people we, we were known there. I mean, I remember when we first started recruiting for Northwestern, we would make a phone call to a kid in Texas, and we'd say, this is Gary Barnett. I'm at Northwestern University, part of the Big Ten in Chicago, Illinois. So, because they didn't know. You know, they thought Northwestern was at somewhere in the east, was at Northwest Oklahoma, was at North, Northwest Louisiana, or whatever. So we had to explain what that was. Well, Chicago guys you didn't have to do that with. Mm-hmm. Illinois guys you didn't have to do that with. But you had to do that with kids in Florida and kids everywhere else. So, uh, you know, you didn't have the same identity uh, with those schools that you do with Chicago kids or Illinois kids. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. We'll catch up with Coach next segment. More on recruiting in-state and out-of-state on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes with Gary Barnett. Coach uh, hitting on recruiting, national recruiting, and, of course, in-state to in-Colorado, his philosophy. In Colorado now, um, um, we, we, I was, because I was a high school coach in Colorado for 11 years and a small college coach in Colorado, I was a Colorado guy, and I knew how many good players there were in the state, and I believe there were a lot of good players in that state. The issue you have is the coaches you all you hire are all from all, somewhere else. And they think all the best players in California, think all the best players in Texas or wherever they're from. And so I had to beat it into my guys that we are going to recruit Colorado first. And I put every coach in Colorado, I gave them an area. And um, they were responsible to go to every one of their schools in that area. And, you know, I had, you know, at the, at the end of the time, I had guys – that never would have recruited a kid from Colorado, standing up for a kid from Colorado because he went out to see him and watched him and had been around him for a couple of years. And so it, it, it changed and enhanced our Colorado recruiting quite a bit. Now, since then, staffs come in that have nobody from Colorado and absolutely no uh, you know, ties there. So they're, they're going to recruiting all parts of California, all parts of you know, other, other states. We always did California and Texas because we knew that that's where a lot of players were and we had a lot of students at University of Colorado from those states. With, but that, so that was an issue. With, with, uh, was there a position group that was, was especially more of a Colorado flavor? Did you go look at linemen uh, from your region or did you have – you know, pretty good skill guys when you did when you did look uh, either Denver or some of the surrounding areas. You know, we we really had we had a pretty good mix okay. of all of that. We had you know had a couple quarterbacks that, were, that came out of Colorado that were good. A bunch of running backs out of Colorado. I mean, linebackers. We had linemen. We had a lot of defensive linemen, but we did have a couple. You know, I mean, I, I recruited three defensive linemen from Colorado. So. Um, yeah, it was it was a good mix. We had a little bit of everything. Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, we'll let you get out and uh, enjoy your golf. So NIL's been big. It's been going on for uh, a week plus. You've got uh, gyms from Miami Boosters. You've got fast yep. food. You've got podcasts going on. Did you ever endorse anything as a coach? Were you a pitch man for for a, for a product at all, either at North, Northwestern or Colorado? Uh, not at North, not at Colorado. In Northwestern, I uh, I did um, uh, two Chevy commercials, and then I did um, I did f- I think three or four National Burger King commercials. Did you really? Yeah, and uh, it was interesting. I mean, they were a hoot, and uh, <laughs> you know we had a lot of fun with them. And uh, yeah, I did three or four National commercials there, and I did the. Uh, uh, a couple Chevy commercials, and but that was about it. So, what were you driving? What what Chevys were you driving? Well, uh, I actually uh, I got a Blazer for my daughter for graduation, okay. and uh, so uh, that was my payment. That was it. So, there you go. Yeah, that worked out well. 
Yeah, it did. So, it worked so out great. Did you pull off the mutant? Was it was it uh, award worthy? I mean, did you nail it? The camera? Did you nail it? How many takes? Oh, oh, oh yeah, no, I didn't take many cat. You know, I, that, I can move into that role pretty easily. So <laughs> I had fun with it. That's good. I had, uh, both um, both the uh, Burger King and the and the Chevy. The Chevy commercial was local in Chicago, and That's the cool. Burger King was national. So Gary Barnett with us, Coach. Have a, a good round. Thanks for the time today. You bet. Thanks, Chris. Good stuff from uh, Coach Barnett, uh, the old Chevy Blazer. You see old Barney rolling up in a Chevy Blazer. Pretty good stuff. Um, whenever I went out car shopping for my first car and I turned 16, this car salesman was trying to sell me on a, an old Chevy Blazer as a piece of crap. I didn't, Dude, didn't, didn't go for every, it. You know what, though? When I was a kid and nearing that, that 16-year-old number, we had a, a neighbor who had just the sweetest kind of silver and white Blazer. Mm-hmm. Then you always had the guy in the neighborhood, and I grew up uh, in Southeast districts, so some of the old late 80s Southeast ball players always had these these Broncos, these Ford Broncos that were just, I mean, just gi- ginormous. And oh. a buddy of mine had a, had a blazer that was kind of gold and just loud as hell, and you put the, it was able to fold down like it had a, a tailgate, sort of, so we could go fishing off the back of it. And put a cooler back there, and you know, I never had a blazer. So I would have gone for a Bronco. Broncos. Are I like the cool. I like the new Broncos. The new Broncos are pretty those cool are too. sweet. <laughs> Remember talking to Mike Gilbert, OJ's agent, doing an interview with him as he's doing the interview from OJ's white blazer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bronco, excuse me, white. The, you know the Bronco and the the freeway chase and and. Bronco sales surged post-1994, then they discontinued it, and now it's back. So we talked name, image, and likeness, and what are you endorsing? Well, Adrian Martinez, part of uh, a 14-member group of student-athletes that are endorsing degree deodorant. So Adrian's story is cool, talks about adversity, overcoming adversity, and uh, that's pretty cool for Adrian to uh to get the the nod from from degree uh that's all good the game changer though <laughs> is is Thibodeau from from Oregon because that is we're talking c- connecting with Uncle Phil uh, of Nike Phil Knight KV on Thibodeau uh, potential number 1 pick in the 2022 draft uh, his first NIL deal <laughs> is uh, with Nike and Phil Knight and the sneaker designer, Mr. I Design Air Jordan's Tinker Hatfield. So you've got uh, this uh, reveal on social media late last night. So I don't know if Thibodeau's getting his own shoes, but they're going to be inspired by Thibodeau, and, and he's the dude, right, off the edge, and he's been playing great ball for a long time in Oregon. Uh, Knight, obviously the longtime donor to, to Oregon Athletics, was the, the muscle behind the wardrobe branding that Oregon had. And uh, on Tuesday, the school announced a second $500 million donation from Knight and his wife to the Phil and Penny Knight campus for accelerating scientific impact. Hatfield, also from Oregon, 
Nike's VP and president for design and special projects. He designed those Air Jordans, the Jordans 3 through Air Jordan 15s. So you're going to have Nike and Oregon. They've always been tied to the hip. They've always kind of been a game changer. But if, if you're... If you're able to to knock this first rendition out of the park with Thibodeau, you know, he was Pac-12 Defensive Freshman of the Year in 19, first team All-Pac-12 last season. And, you know, Kuyper and, and McShay have him as the number one prospect as that that hybrid edge guy. And, and he's, he's a different body type. You know, you think uh, Von Miller or Miles Garrett, just how giant they are. And Thibodeau's a big dude, but he's not Miles Garrett Von Miller. He, he he's like a a cross between like a Von Miller and a Randy Gregory. He, he's That's more, why he's, he's got he's, that he's, tall, skinny, long arm type thing. Right, going. he's more more Randy Gregory, but he's not as thick as Randy Mm-mm. either. I think he probably goes two forty, but his job is to get off the edge and go kill a quarterback as much as they throw the football in college football now. It's not that he can't stop the run. I'm not worried about that, but. Miles Garrett's a beast, right? I mean, he's like 270, 280, and, and can move. You know, the, the, the J.J. White, J.J. J.J. Watt speed and size combination, Thibodeau's, Thibodeau's like, you know, your stud basketball player that's uh, pressuring you. Well, uh, you got you got size and weight for me. No, I don't. I was just remembering back to that 2019. I, I thought it was the Rose Bowl and I was right against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Whenever he is just a freshman, went in and just dominated yeah, that Wisconsin he, he, he offensive not blockable. line. And Wisconsin's tackles are good. I mean, Wisconsin's offensive line is great every single year. And they had a great offensive line that year. They were a top 10 team. Sure. And, and, he, and that's just... And he too dominated much af- too as much, a freshman. Too, too much freshman. athleticism. It, it, was, it was speed and quickness versus that bull rush. But you watch Oregon, man... Oregon's not going to reinvent the wheel here. They're just going to use uh, what they got, and what they got is that connection to Nike. And if Thibodeau hits it out of the park with uh, the Nike-themed Thibodeau shoes or his input on Oregon, that's a game-changer recruiting-wise, isn't it? How many kids would want to go to a school that's going to let them have input on what what guys are suiting up and lacing up every Saturday. That's so cool, right? That's I mean, one of the things that just so you, cool. right. You you can't you can't top that. You can't beat that unless you're Adidas, and you have a a player rep do it per Adidas school. And I mean, it's Nike's not going to do this for everyone. Nike's going to do it for Oregon because Uncle Phil's down with Oregon. That's one guy that's always been in Coach Frost's corner. I mean, he sat next to Frosty. In the uh, in the press box when he was calling plays, See, like right next to him, that was the urban legend. See, if if they had that at Nebraska, what type of of apparel would they be wearing? On? Would we have like some uh, some cowboy boot cleats on Saturdays? I mean, I mean, there there are some pretty. If, there's, if some, there's some guys with some, some of the uh, if some of the offensive line was designing, probably yeah, or some of the defensive line guys. But you know, if Cam Taylor Britt wants to to go to town on designing the 2022 version of the Nebraska Adidas football shoot, go for it. See, we, we got to ask next time we get a next time we get a player on, we got to ask who the most uh, fashionable guy in the team is who, who they would turn to if they were to uh, allow a player on the team to start designing some stuff, some game day apparel, you know, you look good, you play good, right? 
I mean, there's some guys with some style down there at UNL too. Like down down the football team, there's some dudes that got some swag. I just want to know like what crazy stuff would they be wearing on Saturday? Except that that'd be enjoyable to me. Sure, it's, it's just go see what cleats these guys are wearing. What crazy you know design can happen? Yeah, yeah. So Miami's got gym membership uh, stardom, right? You got this guy that's throwing five hundred and forty thousand dollars. Uh, towards a football team, 500 bucks a kid on the team. Nike says, I see your gym membership, the U, and uh, we're going to go uh, with the Air Thibodeau. Yeah, and Nebraska's got a degree sponsorship. It's fine. That's One it. of 14. Yeah, it's fine, but like, when, ladies, when you're trying to build that Ladies don't edge. like stinky dudes. <laughs> right? 48-hour protection. There There's you have it. Words of wisdom with Schmitty. Yeah. <laughs> Chicks don't dig funky men on the next edition. Uh, Jock Doc's on the way. How did Giannis make it happen? We'll find out next. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, how are you? Hey, I'm great, Chris. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. Uh, gearing up for some NBA Finals. Game one in the books, and the question was, what's the Greek freak going to do? What's he going to be <laughs> like? Could he go? And you uh, you have this um, this doubtful to questionable to... Well, go ahead and start, Giannis. Uh, so he, he did uh, 20 points, 17 rebounds. I wish I could play like that coming off a hyperextension. But he uh, <laughs> he is a phenomenal athlete. And, you know, I want to kind of get your perspective, Dr. Brandon, on just what went into the comeback. Uh, hyperextension, just the different levels of severity and from a treatment standpoint, in in the post game, Giannis talked a little bit about the the medical staff getting him back, uh, listening to them, also the conditioning folks, and you know he couldn't walk uh, a week ago. His knee had swelled up to double its original size, and you fast forward to last night, he was able to go and and perform pretty well. Yeah, pretty amazing, you know, especially as you described kind of that history for him. In particular, that you know, significant amount of swelling that he had. You know, typically, the swelling is, is a good measure of you know severity of injury. Um, as we talk about his injury in particular, you know, hyperextension that means you know, in the leg is or knee is essentially all the way straight, and you try to move beyond you know the completely straight position. You start to stretch things in the back of the knee. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, with the hyperextension injury, the the ligamentous uh, injury we worry more about would be a, a PCL. It's called the post- posterior cruciate ligament. Everybody's familiar with the ACL. The PCL is the big ligament that sits behind that and is responsible for kind of helping keep the shin or the tibia from migrating towards the back of your leg. Um, so that's what we worry about with a hyperextension injury, pretty vascular in the in the back part of the knee. So if you have a hyperextension event, uh, you can have some uh, some bleeding from that. Um, that's probably where some of that swelling came from. Um, but definitely when you're talking about you know, swelling two to three, four times the size of a normal knee, 
usually what happens in that setting is, you know, one, it's usually some pretty high-level trauma where you have something else going on that perhaps maybe a cartilage injury, meniscus injury, or even potentially a complete tear of the PCL. So surprising that all those things were okay with the amount of swelling he had. Um, the other thing we worry about with these injuries is when that knee goes up into hyperextension, again, enough to cause that much swelling must have been a pretty significant force. Yeah, force will transfer into the bone that sits underneath the cartilage in the knee, and so you have what we call kind of a deep bone bruise. Mm. Our fancy term for that is you know, a, a chondral or cartilage bruise, and so no doubt he probably has that. Those are pretty painful uh, to try to play on. So as you put all this stuff together and look how well he played, that's pretty impressive. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. We're talking about Giannis, his game one performance off of the knee hyperextension. He had some plays last night where he looked great. He looked normal, and greatness is kind of his normal when it comes to his first basket being an alley-oop dunk. He chased down uh, uh, one of the Suns. Uh, great acceleration to, to block a shot, you know, going towards the rim. So he he looked fine. Long term, say this thing goes seven, say it goes six beyond a normal sweep. What's the, the mileage, the wear and tear going to be like for him? Now, there's a couple days off as we get deeper into the finals between games. That'll be great for him to get rest. But, I mean, this is... He, he's gearing up for, for for one more run here because of where they're at. Milwaukee's not been in the finals for forever, our lifetimes for sure. So uh, mm-hmm. what's what's the, the long-term potential effect of doing this? I don't think Milwaukee clear him despite the stage they're on. That said, this is going to be pretty heavy-duty lifting for him. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, at, at that level – but the kind of investment they have, you know, in that player, I, I would be you know, shocked if you know they let him play, you know, play on you know, a torn meniscus, for example, or a, you know, a significant you know, cartilage injury. If it's just more of a kind of that deep bone bruise that's there, you know, in the setting that he's in, the playoffs and everything, you're probably looking at that and saying, well, it's tolerable, let's go, mm-hmm. and that's reasonable as long as you can maintain that uh, you know good quad strength, good quad function, the muscle kind of above the knee, that kind of keeps everything else safe. As long as you're maintaining that okay and you're kind of managing the swelling well, then that's very reasonable to play. You know, durability-wise for him, that's a good question. You start getting deep into some of these playoff series. Um, I think about the number of minutes he's playing, but also his game. He's not really standing out there just shooting. He's driving. He's doing a lot of jumping all the things that are going to really irritate that knee. And so, you know, durability could be a real issue for him, especially if this is one of those cartilage bruises, those deep bone bruises. Obviously, that's a a volume issue. The more volume and impact you're putting through that area just continues to get more irritated, more sore. Um, And that could be an issue for him as they get deeper in the playoffs. Um, Again, I I would suspect he has at least some kind of, you know, cartilage bruising, Mm -hmm. condor bruising in his knee if he had that much swelling. Do you give him a a minutes count? Uh, We talk all the time pitch count. Well, Mm -hmm. do you you watch his minutes uh, beyond? Okay, you didn't get game game one. Do you sell him out for for game two here to to try and even the series? Or do you just kind of play it by ear with with how he's feeling? Because... He's going to go. I mean, I can't imagine mm-hmm. the pain he's dealing with to try and get out there. And you're right on with his style of attack to the rim, the amount of spins, his his brute force. I mean, all of that with the athleticism mixed in, 
I mean, even an 80 or 85 percent still looks, you know, all NBA great. Yeah, that is that is such a tough that is such a tough kind of management question. Is yeah, do you do you do a volume restriction, restrict some minutes, or do you just kind of go off tolerance? And most of the time, we may mainly base it just on how they're feeling. You know, if they've got a little bit of achiness going on, but they feel like they've got good quad control, they're not you know limping up and down the court, and they're not looking you know, terrible after the game walking around. Then I think you just keep playing based upon how those symptoms are. Obviously, the moment you kind of start to drift into either sharp pain while you're playing or to the point where you kind of see them kind of hobbling or limping going up and down the court, then you probably need to start thinking about limiting some of those minutes. He was uh, able to go 35 minutes last night, but 20 points, 17 rebounds, incredible. Uh, when it comes to, mm-hmm. to, to treatment, what's what's the, the Milwaukee staff likely to be doing, Dr. Brandon? after the game, between games, what type of management can they do to help out with this post-hyperextension? Yeah, you know, the the most important thing we've talked about a couple of times is it's mainly getting that quad muscle back. So one, manage the swelling. Two, once you really can kind of knock out the swelling, it's really working hard on trying to get that quad muscle back so you have good control. And then the third thing becomes just being able to kind of maintain that kind of ongoing kind of quad strength and not getting behind kind of on the swelling aspect. Because no doubt he's going to have at least some swelling during the game, um, at least for these first probably three to six weeks. So trying to manage that is going to be really critical. Um, in the process of doing that, though, it's it's you play the game and then you just shut it down the rest of the day. You don't want to be doing extra weightlifting um, that's going to irritate this. You don't want to be doing you know, extra you know, practice during the day that's going to irritate this. So you're kind of just a game guy and managing swelling, hitting the quad, and that's what you're doing. Show and go for uh, the Greek Freak. We'll see how Game 2 shakes out for Milwaukee against Phoenix. A junk doc on uh, on Giannis. Uh, Dr. Brandon Seifer with us. Lincoln Orthopedic Center. A junk doc Wednesday on Hale Varsity. Dr. Brandon, we'll get caught up again. Thanks for the time. You bet, Chris. You guys take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, good stuff from Gary Barnett and Mike Babcock today. Tomorrow on the show, we'll check in with Brad Edwards, college football insider Brandon Vogel, some recruiting with Greg Smith. Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke is on vacation. That means Wisconsin and lakes and all that good stuff. So Took a vacation in the middle of the NBA Finals? You know, I'm sure he is probably on location still doing his show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he'll... He'll get a little sun between uh, between showtime and and the game. Remind you to buckle up uh, with your friends at the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety. There's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed, or high. Never acceptable, and law enforcement officers working every day to stop it before more people are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. And a DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So good stuff today. We'll uh, dive into some more football thoughts. We'll see if we're any closer tomorrow to uh, to an AD announcement. 
Maybe not. Maybe so. We shall see. But interesting kind of rundown we didn't get to today. Uh, our friend Brian Cross, Chris, Christopherson, did this list. But, you know, Nebraska's got quite a, a lineup of either potentially really good quarterbacks on their schedule or some some guys that are, well, I mean, you look at Radler, he, he's a projected, um, you know, top five pick, if not maybe the, the, the first quarterback taken. You've got JoJo Doman making a dent in the pro football focus listing as uh, one of the best uh, football players in the country. I like that. He comes in at number 43. Uh, as uh, the the 43rd best player. I think he's nice. And think about what Nebraska has on each level of the defense. In the secondary, you've got Cam. You also have Williams and Dismuke. So there's three of your four. But you've got a guy like JoJo on the edge. And I'm anxious to to see what type of year Ben Stilley's going to have. Good on him for coming back. He's a guy that's uh, left it all out there for the program. And uh, he is, uh, you know, when they move him inside on that third down uh, pass rush situation, he's he's done nice at getting interior pressure. And, and he's just a team guy. And can that team guy also have a senior, second senior season to remember? I think he can. But think about where Stilly's career started, where he was an outside linebacker you know, weighing between probably 230 and 240 to what he's bulked up to now as uh, he's been vicious against the run. So it's really nice to be on the level uh, where you've got a guy like Staley, a guy like JoJo, and a guy like Cam, and then and then Williams. But as we saw last year, this team will only go as far as the offense can take them. Got to have complimentary football. Yes, we do. Take care of the football. Take the football away. It all works out. Uh, enjoy the show. Check the podcast out. To Hail Varsity Radio, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Give us a review, good, bad, or ugly. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Thanks.